0: Today's episode, On the Beach.
1: I was doing um, mushrooms with these two teenage teenagers. One of them I was obsessed with. I became infatuated with them. This is when I first moved here.
2: You had just gotten to Vancouver.
1: Yeah, and I didn't know anyone. And I think, and, and I really wanted to just be with, just like, be around people. And I mm-hmm. had no, I didn't I hardly knew anyone.
2: And how did you meet this guy?
1: I don't know through some other guy on the beat. I met, I met him through. This guy on the beach, who introduced me to him, and he was working at a restaurant near the beach. I was so attracted to him. I was so gorgeous. He was like a little boy.
2: What were some of the things that were boy-like?
1: Um, his language, like high school. I don't know how to explain it. Like. Well, he wasn't very sophisticated. He was 18, mm-hmm. and I remember having to go into a liquor store to buy to buy alcohol for him. Um, I think it was vodka or something.
3: Yeah. So,
2: and where do you guys drink it?
1: Um, I think it was at, it was at the beach. We mixed it with something. And then they were also, him and his friends were into crystal meth and doing mushrooms. And that's, I guess, one thing that I felt was really immature. It was just, you know, experimenting with drugs. And they were still doing that. You know, just something I I wasn't doing. Mm -hmm. But I did it just to be with them. And I remember going into this restaurant. He—he he, it wasn't really a restaurant. It was more like a little sort of like a cafe restaurant place. He—he he was serving, and and there were all these girls there waiting for him, for him to go on his break. And I was there to see him. And they were there in a in a in a, in a, in a separate table looking at him. And it was just that made me feel like I felt so good that day.
2: Really? Yeah, because I was just
1: I was the one that was talking to. Him. high school you know like in a cafeteria mm-hmm. it's like it felt like a cafeteria scene in a movie when you had like you had the, the popular girl talking to the most gorgeous guy and then the, and the table of a bunch of other girls who are infatuated with that guy and, and you know and then I, I felt I felt kind of superior.
2: And, and and was that a new feeling for you? Had you been in that situation before?
1: No, because I was always like the geek in high school. Really? Yeah, none of the. I never had any. I don't. I didn't have any boyfriend. Mhm.
2: So it was it was being like was was starting to date that 18-year-old kid? Was it like a better version of high school?
1: Yeah, it was like the guy that I probably would want to be with in high school, but. He, would, he probably wouldn't be interested in me because I was such a freak.
2: Thinking back on that, what was the best moment that you guys ever spent together?
1: Um, probably at the beach. Um, it was the sunset mm-hmm. and just you know, talking and. But we have nothing to say because they have nothing to say to him. So he, he just. Um, he was into uh, Snoop. Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. We talked about Snoop. And. And. And rap. He was into, like, really into, like, rap music. Mm-hmm. And too short. That's all he could talk about. Too short. And. Um He said, "I think you're so gorgeous and touch my hair."
2: I, uh, I went to New York, and um, on Christmas Day, I got this I got the brainstorm of going down to Coney Island.
4: So on the most depressing day of the year, you picked the most depressing thing you could possibly do?
2: Essentially. there's some, Yeah, I mean, there's just something about going to Coney Island that feels like you're just venturing to the end of the earth. It has that kind of feeling about it, and especially in the winter. You know, when really, like, no one's there and all the carnival rides are shut down. And one of the only places that was open was uh, Nathan's famous hot dog. And so I went in there and I had, um, I had a an incredibly overboiled, mushy corn on the cob and a paper cup of Coors beer. That's
4: awesome.
2: Yeah. And, um, and, and then after that, uh, after, after I had my, um, my Christmas dinner. Uh-huh. I, uh, I, I walked out to the beach and um, the sun was going down in the sky and, and it just you know everything became even bleaker. I'd been in New York about a week at that point and I really desperately needed some kind of vacation. I just really wanted to relax and get away and just not think and instead um, I just ended up really kind of um, just worrying a lot and being sort of obsessive. And and one of the thoughts that I had as I was standing by the water was that I was not I was not experiencing the experience properly, that I was not getting everything out of it that I should be mm-hmm. like, like you should be able to live your regular life the way that you are living for those couple of hours that you're in a museum, Right. You know, where you're looking right. at everything and you're so primed to like see the beauty in things, and you're taking the time to see the beauty in things. Exactly, And yeah. normally, like during your, the regular course of the day, you know, you're know you in a big rush to get the bus, you're in the rush for this and that, and it's just like, you, there's no value in that sort of experience.
4: Well, you know, the thing about a museum is that it's contained, and I think that's what, uh, you said it's a very meditative environment, but it's a contained environment um, when you're standing by the ocean, there's no curator, right. You have to be your own curator. and unless you're very, very comfortable with yourself, you're not going to take what you're supposed to take from it because it's vast.
2: Yeah, and also and also you feel like maybe there's maybe you actually deep down, don't really appreciate it. And then it makes you feel like, what kind of an animal am I? You don't mean to not be able to appreciate the ocean. So uh, I'm, you know I'm looking I'm looking at the water, I'm thinking about all of this stuff. And also actually I'm trying, which is completely ridiculous, is I'm figuring like I could sort of make up for a so-so mediocre kind of vacation if I'm able to have some kind of perfect moment while standing by the water.
4: Like a transcendent moment of great
2: beauty. Yeah, like, or just like figure something out about myself in that moment that I could take home with me. That would add value to a um, to a humdrum vacation. Exactly. And so I'm just sitting, standing there, and I'm, I mean, basically, I'm trying to like inflict this perfect moment onto myself. You know, like gritting my teeth and like <laughs> willing it to be.
4: Like s- self flagellation
2: yeah except with beauty
4: exactly you're beating yourself with beauty you're attempting to beat yourself with beauty
2: I mean the the thing is that actually like a sort of perfect moment does occur wow um, yeah I know it's like it's you you think like you know that that that's not how perfect moments work and they just kind of sneak up on you force to have a perfect moment I force myself I figured out while I was standing there was that I just wanted to be more relaxed and more comfortable when I'm with people. Mm-hmm. You know, less worry about what I'm going to say in response to what they're saying. And just actually enjoy people's company. That was it. Like, you know, very wow. simple. Yeah. So I felt, I felt pretty good about that. And I felt like the sun was going down and I was ready to go back home to where I was staying. And um, I went. I went to the subway platform, and the F train was there going uptown, and I got on a subway car, and it was completely empty, except for this one woman. I'm looking at this woman, and I realize immediately who it is. Who Who was it? Well, the reason like, I recognized her right off the bat was because her entire face is tattooed. This woman is a part of the Coney Island Freak Show that I had seen a couple summers earlier. What this woman does, like like her entire body and face is tattooed, right? And what she does, her act is basically she comes out on stage and she just eats insects. She eats worms and I think maybe maggots and centipedes. Wow. But the the thing that's amazing, like that you wouldn't figure on is that she's actually like she's really cute. And and there's something about her presence on stage which is very endearing and you wouldn't expect it from someone whose entire body is tattooed and is eating bugs on stage. But like there's there's something like very little kid about her. Like the kind of glee that she takes in freaking everybody out with the way that she's eating worms, like she sh- throws the worms in her mouth and she walks up to every single person in the audience, like it's a small audience, like maybe 40 people, and she chews it right up close to your face, and the more, like, kind of freaked out and grossed out that you get, the more she smiles and laughs. And, and I remember, I feel like when I left the free show, I was left with the question of, you know, why would this, like, pretty and seemingly, like, normal girl end up tattooing her face in the way that she did, you know? And I was just... I was, I was very curious about it. And here I was on the subway with, with her sitting right opposite me. The whole idea of, like, approaching strangers makes me very uncomfortable and nervous. But then I, you know, I hearkened back to my perfect moment on the beach. And I thought about how, like, I want to be able to, you know, be more comfortable with people and just, you know, not, not feel as you know just not feel this kind of like paralyzing self-consciousness right and and so i felt like i have to say something to her you know but um this is what i decided to do i i i I said hi to her and i told her that i had seen her perform a couple summers back and um and i told her that i have a radio show in canada which i mean seems like a pretty Safe-sounding kind of thing to say, yeah, you know. I'm like a total
4: psycho. No, a radio show.
2: Very inoffensive. So I, I said to her, you know, I saw you perform, and I, I have so many questions about what you do and and why you do it, and I was just wondering if maybe I could I could call you at some point and we could talk over the phone. And um, it was just shocking how shy she was, you know, like she just the whole time that we were talking, she wouldn't even meet my gaze. Like she she just kept looking at the, at her shoes. And she said, um, she said, I I don't, probably I won't be able to because I don't have a phone. I've been, you know, traveling around a lot, staying at people's houses. And then I said, well, is there a phone number you can give me at, you know, someone's house that you're staying at? And, uh, and she said, no, because I I never know where I'm going to be staying. And, um, and just because she seemed so shy and so put upon and everything, like, I just didn't want to push it anymore. And I, I apologized for, for, for bothering her and, uh and i went back to reading a book and we rode all the way into manhattan without looking at each other or saying anything
4: it's perfect you have the realization you get on the subway it's christmas there's one person on there right i mean if there was a god you'd think that person was sent to you by god to teach you something to give you what you're looking for.
2: Yeah, just because of the timing of it. You know, the, the kind of um, the, the suggestive proximity between standing by the water and having this sort of revelation and then seeing this woman.
4: Anything on Christmas is significant, especially when it's abandoned. And then you reached out and... Nothing. Nothing.
2: Nothing happened. I mean, what am I supposed to take away from that?
4: Maybe it's if there was a God it would be a God trying to show you why you are the way you are and why you should maybe understand that and appreciate it. Yes, yeah, so what am I supposed to what am I supposed to learn? Well, you tried. I mean that's the thing. You at least you tried. You were given the opportunity to try with someone and uh, it didn't work out. But that doesn't mean, you know, you, you can't you can't look for the one perfect moment, that's the thing. It's not, life isn't just one perfect moment. It never is perfect. You know, carry on and and try again another time. So what did you do that night? What did you do Christmas night?
2: Um, I, I went to this friend's house who was making a Christmas dinner and um, he had prepared a goose. And um, it's the first time I ever ate goose.
0: There's a blue t-shirt with a kitten on it that I bought at the beach. I met my boyfriend when I was wearing that t-shirt, but they still only give me 25 cents for it. This is the exact spot where I kissed someone when I was 15. I liked to peek at myself back then. I wore a fur vest and had blue rain boots. Everyone used to say, I dressed too old for my age. Once I have seen photographs of people as children, I always feel sorry for them. Even when they are just sitting there minding their own business, I feel sorry for them. When I was little, I had a friend who wanted to wear her coat all the time. She wore it in class. The gym teacher screamed at her when she wore it on top of the high beam. She stood up there, shaking not knowing whether to go forward or back. My father says you have to be at least 40 before you can realize whether or not you are a bad person. I would like to see my blueprints to see whether I was designed for good or evil. Moloch and I ride the bus and I keep asking him how to say different words in Russian. How do you say bird, soldier, valentine, moon and stars? I could go far with such a vocabulary. I should be incapable of evil with such a limited vocabulary. Elijah tells me that it is scientifically impossible for a giraffe to be able to walk. It is a good thing that giraffes do not read scientific journals. I'm too shy to walk into churches and ask the priest to take my confession. I hope that I don't have to go to hell because of my shyness. I have a friend who says that he doesn't go to church because he is on strike. He wants a guarantee of an afterlife and until then he is staying home and watching TV. The seagulls look as if they keep being yanked up by a string, exactly as if they were puppets. To me, it is almost proof that there is a god. I go to visit my father. He is in bed rehearsing lines that he will say to his enemies if he runs into them. My father picks up every lamp he finds in the garbage. They cover his bureau and the floor of his room. When he gets all the lamps he's found to work, his room will be filled with so much light, it will be like heaven. I never pay up on my bets. I bet Moloch that the Messiah is going to show up the day after I die, and I have no intention of paying this money. The wind suddenly blows all the pages of my book away. My book is a paperback called, Are We The Only People On This Planet. It feels like I am surrounded by birds. My necklace comes apart and the beads fall all over the subway floor. They become things that you can't see anymore, like atoms or molecules. In the boxing gym near my house, there are photographs on the wall of people that no one has ever heard of. The idea of fame leads to a lot of loneliness. At the Salvation Army, there is a pile of naked baby dolls with their prices written on their foreheads in black crayon. They were loved until they were unable to prove they existed anymore. yellow leaf in the entire city falls down from the sky. I pick it up and put it between the pages of a book and then it is winter.
5: Years old. My closest friend at school is Haley Sky. She's really tall and she has long hair. She's actually really funny once you get to know her, and she sort of gets my weird sense of humor and stuff. Haley Sky's like a lot more outgoing than me, so I feel sometimes just like person that follows her around. Sometimes I feel like I can't exactly be myself around her. She's just sort of always happy, kind of. And she's got a lot more presence, I think, which makes me feel kind of small. I feel like I'm sort of drifting, sort of, like with and stuff. And I, maybe if I like had more friends or something, I don't know, then I would feel less like that. I'd feel more anchored. For me, when I like feel something, I sort of feel it in colors, cause I'm like an artist person. And like if I'm drawing, then. If the person in my picture is sad, then I'll usually like associate the background color or like their clothes to match their personality. And so I've kind of been doing that in real life and associating colors to how people feel and how I feel. Sometimes I feel gray, just like nothing. Recently, I've been feeling sort of like empty color, which is sort of like this off-red color, sort of like faded brick color, maybe. Haley Sky, She is pink, but she's not like girly. It's more like a darkish pink, neon-y pink. Because it's like her favorite color and it sort of is like who she is. Pink is sort of like in your face and bright and stuff, and that's sort of how she is. But not in a bad way, I guess. Really the only place I'm allowed to walk by myself would be my aunt's house, which is like a one block away. But um, I just wanted to get out of the house one day. I was sort of moping, and they're like, why don't you go to Taco Del Mar? I'm like, okay. And they let me go and buy lunch. It's a burrito place. And I just walked by myself, which is like a big step for me. When I come back to my parents, they're like, how'd you feel, Did you feel independent tonight? I just felt like neutral, and I was just being myself, by myself walking. I wasn't thinking about, oh, yay, yeah, it's so fun, I'm out by myself. It was so intense. I was just like, it was just normal. But it was different than when I'm just like sitting or walking with my parents or something. I was like by myself. I felt like I could have like totally my own thoughts without any interruptions. If I could walk any place by myself, I would want to go to the ocean. It's sort of grey in the morning and misty and sort of breezy and not too cold, but just cold enough. I don't like those like stereotypical beaches where it's always like bright and sunny and the sand's like bright yellow. I like the foggy grey beaches. It seems more real. I mostly just like to walk around and look at all the rocks and feel the wind and stuff. I like the endlessness of it. But sometimes the endlessness sort of scares me. Like, I'm just some little speck and it doesn't really matter. And that's sort of scary. But most of the time, I really like it at the beach. I'm just there and the beach isn't going to, like, make fun of me or ignore me or think anything of me. It's just going to be there.
0: On Wiretap today, you heard James Hurst Molly Johansson, Annie, and Heather O'Neill reading from her work Beach Haiku. Wiretap is written and performed by Jonathan Goldstein and produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Sarah Gilbert and Carolyn Warren. Reach us through our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap.